0: My God, ladies and gentlemen, we have been dealt a blow that this country and many other countries and teenage girls will not be able to recover from. One of the harbingers of our social life, one of the bookkeepers of our life story and timeline creators have gone down. Facebook, Instagram and WhatsApp, as well as multiple other social media apps, have all been down. As of the time of recording this, they just now were re... I don't know, put back up and running just shy of a half hour ago at 6 o'clock in the morning. For almost 13 hours, in 90% of the world, these major tech giants or offline, and even weirder is you go to a domain website and you actually have the ability to buy Facebook.com, Instagram.com, as well as a few others. That being said, welcome to the one o'clock upload of Inside Four Walls. Without any further ado, I'm your host, James Masson. Let's get into it. Today's article comes from Wired, published October 4th, 2021, by Brian Durnett. Why Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp all went down today. The problem relates to something called BGP routing, and it took down every part of Facebook's business. Let me tell you, humanity's mental health has not been healthier since. Teenage girls are an all-time high of confidence with these absolute shit-heat. Absolute degenerate platforms, which do nothing but contribute to the decay and equal abundance of decadence in American society. Studies have come out that show the direct correlation between young women and men's health deteriorating, self-image problems, and self-loathing connected to Facebook and Instagram. Seems like people are all too easily swayed by glimpses of the best parts of people's lives and don't see the hideousness behind every other moment of these influencers' life. They only see the highlight reel. And that fucks with people. On a whole new level. On a personal level, I think these tech giants are absolutely evil and abhorrent. But I do not have any shame in the game for it. If you're someone who falls and gets destroyed mentally because you use these platforms, it's no secret. I mean, hell... Facebook's typically only used by boomers these days. I know pretty much no one under the age of 25. No, no, I know a couple 28-year-olds all my family who use Facebook, but large and by and by. Us all using Facebook has really waned. A lot of us moved on to Snapchat, Instagram, and sometimes we just use our default texting app these days. Facebook isn't really something we use often in my generation any longer. And I feel it's even less with the next generation. But if you're someone who uses these apps routinely and you allow yourself to be poisoned mentally by them, that is a form of social Darwinism at work. Where I do have a deep issue with these uh, platforms is mainly their fact-checkers. As we've covered in previous articles, a lot of these fact-checkers are, well, kind of tied to this morning's upload. Not necessarily in the Operation Mockingbird sense of it, but in the sense that Silicon Valley works with a lot of news outlets to decide what is fact and what isn't based on who pays the most for it. And their fact checkers tend to be a bunch of biased volunteers. I did a previous episode on this exact topic where I read two articles that explain the fact checkers and how they function. Now, This is an interesting story. A Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, Oculus have all had outages knocked out every corner of Mark Zuckerberg's empire offline on Monday. It's a social media blackout that can most charitably be described as tough and thorough and seems likely to prove particularly tough to fix. (laughs) Facebook itself has not confirmed the root cause of its woes, but clues abroad on the internet. The company's family of apps effectively fell off the face of the internet at 11.40 a.m. according to when its domain name system records became unreachable. DNS is often referred to as the internet's phone book. It's what translates the host names you type into a URL tab, like facebook.com, into IP addresses, which is where those sites live. DNS mishaps are common enough, and when in doubt, they're the reason why a given site may go down. They can happen for all kinds of wonky technical reasons, often related to configuration issues and can be relatively straightforward to resolve. In this case, though, something more serious is afoot. Now, if you've been browsing 4chan lately, specifically on B, this is just something I've personally noticed. There are a lot of anonymous chats popping back up. It's almost seeming like uh, Occupy Wall Street era of 4chan has a hint of returning. For some weird reason, I can't put my finger on quite. Maybe it's because of the administration and the government system is very fucking similar again. That's just a theory. A, a Chan theory. But you have all these hacker groups getting back up in arms and getting back to work. Then you have you know, Mark Zuckerberg in Senate every other day of the week now, testifying before Congress and Senate Judiciary House Committees. And then one of the biggest outages we've ever seen, one of the biggest online empires we've ever fucking seen happens for a little over 12 and a half hours. It's all very interesting to me. Now, I have a feeling we're going to see a lot more come out of this. The article isn't done yet. I'm just thinking here. I don't want to just read this out to you and then be like, well, thanks for listening to the audio read. Have a good day. Bye. But I feel like you're going to see a much more serious, strict crackdown coming out of Facebook here very soon. Hell, hell, This might become a regular thing. YouTube's gone out and off the face of the internet multiple times this year. I believe four or five times. The longest one being was about nine hours. No YouTube for nine hours. My life was hell. And it wasn't everywhere, mind you. This wasn't everywhere. This was only in about 95% of the world. Which is the funny part of it. Quote, Facebook's outages appear to be caused by DNS. However, it's just a symptom of the problem, says Troy Mursch, chief research officer at cyber threat intelligence company Bad Packets. The fundamental issue, Mush says, and other experts agree, is that Facebook has withdrawn the so-called border gateway protocol routine that contains the IP addresses of its DNS name server. If DNS is the internet's phone book, BGP is the navigational system. It decides what route data takes as it travels the information superhighway. Quote, you can think of it like a game of telephone, but instead of people playing, it's smaller networks letting each other know how to reach them, says Angela Quinn Medina, director of product marketing at network monitoring firm Cisco. Thousand Eyes. Quote, They announced this routine to their neighbor. They announced this route to their neighbor, and their neighbor will propagate it to their peers. End quote. It's a lot of jargon, but easy to put plain. Facebook has fallen off the internet's map. If you try to ping those IP addresses right now, the packets will end up in a black hole, Mush says. The obvious and still unresolved question is why those BGP routes disappeared in the first place. It's not a common ailment, especially at this scale, or... For this duration during the outage Facebook didn't didn't say beyond a tweet that it's quote working to get things back to normal as quickly as possible after service came trickling back late Monday afternoon in some parts it sent a statement that still lacked any technical detail quote to everyone who was affected by this outage on our platform today we're sorry the company said quote We know billions of people and businesses around the world depend on our product and service to stay connected. We appreciate your patience as we try to come back online. Interesting, as we try to come back online. The internet infrastructure experts who spoke to Wired all suggested the likeliest answer was micro configuration of Facebook's part. Quote, it appears that Facebook has done something to their r- routers. The one that connects, that, sorry, the ones that connect to Facebook's network to the rest of the internet, says John Graham Cummings, CTO of internet infrastructure at the company Cloudflare, who stressed that he doesn't know the details of what happened after all, he says the internet is essentially a network of networks, each advertising its presence to the other. For once, Facebook has stopped advertising. Ooh, zing, baby, zing. Which also means that more than just Facebook's external services are affected. You can't use login with Facebook on third party sites, for instance. And since the company's own internal networks can't reach outside the internet, its employees reportedly can't get much done today either. Instagram CEO Adam Mazari even tweeted that, quote, it does feel like a snow day. At least you're enjoying it. I could also help explain why it's taking so long to get back up and running. In 2019, a Google Cloud outage prevented Google engineers from getting online to fix the Google Cloud outage, keeping them offline. It seems at least possible that Facebook is stuck in a similar Catch-22, unable to reach the internet to fix the BGP routing issue that would let it reach the internet. The good news is that once Facebook is able to revert whatever configuration got it into this situation, it shouldn't take long to be back in business. Quote, when it's corrected, the traffic will really start flowing, says Medina. Meanwhile, the rest of the internet has felt Facebook's absence or more specifically, DNS resolvers like Cloudflare service, services that convert those domain names into IP addresses have seen, a, have seen as much as double the usual amount of traffic as people keep trying to load Facebook. Instagram, and WhatsApp to no avail. Those requests aren't enough to overwhelm the system, but the surge is a reminder of just how interdependent and sometimes fragile the internet really is. Quote, It's not so much the dramatic story of the whole internet could fall over, or some nonsense like that, says Graham Cumming. Quote, It's more... That the interconnected system and it stays up particularly because technical things and partly because of people who keep an eye on it day and night folks uh stand corrected apparently these sites are not fully back online after all i was understanding that it was because i can get on my phone and i can see posts but when I did a Google search to read an article about how it's back up online, I found a bunch of articles talking about how it's partially back online. So I went to Reuters. Facebook, Instagram, Facebook and Instagram appeared to be partly reconnected after nearly six hours of outage. By Subrat Paknack and Evan Matthews, Eva Matthews, my apologies. Facebook and Instagram appear to be partially reconnected to the global internet on Monday afternoon nearly 6 hours into a global outage that paralyzed the social media platforms. Facebook and its WhatsApp, Facebook and its WhatsApp and Instagram apps went dark around noon Eastern Time. In you know what website monitoring group down Detector said was the largest of such failures it had ever seen with 10.6 million problems reported globally. Around 5.45pm some Facebook users began to regain partial access to the social media app. So that would be the 6 hour window they're talking about. Okay. My search does not seem to be anything more updated than, than this. Interesting. Around 5:45 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, some Facebook users began to regain partial access to the social media app. WhatsApp continues to be connect to have connection problems for at least some people. The outage was the second blow to the social media giant, as in. Sorry, giant. In as many days after a whistleblower on Sunday accused a company of repeatedly priority, priority, prioritizing, Jesus, I'm tripping over my words. I read like a two and a half hour article earlier. Now my brain's all burnt out. I forgot all about the sue. The outage was a second blow to the social media giant in as many days after a whistleblower on Sunday accused the company of reportedly prioritizing profit over clamping down on hate speech and misinformation. Shares of Facebook, which has nearly 2 billion daily active users, opened lower after a whistleblower report that slipped further to trade down 5.3% in afternoon trading on Monday. They were on track for their worst day in nearly a year amid a broader sell-off of technology stocks. Security experts say the distribution could be the result of an internal mistake, though the sabotage by an insider would be theoretically possible. Quote Facebook basically locked its keys in his car. <laughs> That's a cute way of putting it. Tweeted Jonathan Zittrain, director of Harvard's Berkman Klein Center for internet and society. And this article was by Eva Matthews and Sabrat Paknack. Let's see. And Now, for the last little bit of this episode, because just a couple days ago, I read an article with an interview from a Facebook whistleblower just shy of a week ago now where they explain the process of the fact checkers and how they are hired independently and how they get paid, you know, they're essentially auctioned off for their opinions and their views. But this was a 60 minutes interview. Whistleblower, Facebook is misleading the public on process against hate speech violence and misinformation. Frances Hogan says in her time with Facebook, she saw, quote, conflicts of interest between what was good for the public and what was good for Facebook. Scott Pelly reports. And this came out October 4th, 2021, which as of the time of this being released was yesterday.
1: Her name is Frances Hogan. That- now let's get into this. Her name is Francis Haugen. That is a fact that Facebook has been anxious to know since last month when an anonymous former employee filed complaints with federal law enforcement. The complaints say Facebook's own research shows that it amplifies hate, misinformation, and political unrest, oh, whoa. but the company hides what it knows.
0: So this is okay. Wow, this is an unexpected conclusion to that article I I was reading a month ago. It did not feel that long ago, but I started to do these more daily. So I guess time's flying by a little bit differently for me. Interesting. Because it was an anonymous whistleblower who came out and talked about the fact-checking, and that appeared to be this woman right here.
1: Hmm. One complaint alleges that Facebook's Instagram harms teenage girls. What makes Haugen's complaints unprecedented is the trove of private Facebook research she took when she quit in May. The documents appeared first last month in the Wall Street Journal. But tonight, Frances Haugen is revealing her identity to explain why she became the Facebook whistleblower. The story will continue in a moment.
2: The thing I saw at Facebook over and over again was there were conflicts of interest between what was good for the public and what was good for Facebook. And Facebook over and over again chose to optimize for its own interests, like making more money.
1: Frances Haugen is 37, a data scientist from Iowa with a degree in computer engineering and a Harvard master's degree in business. For 15 years, she's worked for companies including Google and Pinterest.
2: I've seen a bunch of social networks and it was substantially worse at Facebook than anything I'd seen before.
1: You know, someone else might've just quit and moved on. And I wonder why you take this stat.
2: Imagine you know what's going on inside of Facebook and you know, no one on the outside knows. I knew what my future looked like if I continued to stay inside of Facebook, which is person after person after person has tackled this inside of Facebook and ground themselves to
1: the ground when and how did it occur to you to take all of these documents out of the company
2: at some point in 2021 i realized okay i'm going to have to do this in a systemic way and i have to get out enough that no one can question that this is
1: real she secretly copied tens of thousands of pages of facebook internal research she says evidence shows that the company is lying to the public about making significant progress against hate, violence, and misinformation. One study she found from this year says, we estimate that we may action as little as three to 5% of hate and about 6 tenths of 1% of violence and incitement on Facebook, despite being the best in the world at it. To quote from another one of the documents she brought out, We have evidence from a variety of sources that hate speech, divisive political speech and misinformation on Facebook and the family of apps are affecting societies around the world. When we live in
2: an information environment that is full of angry, hateful, polarizing content, it erodes our civic trust. It erodes our faith in each other. It erodes our ability to want to care for each other. The version of Facebook that exists today is tearing our societies apart and causing ethnic violence around the world.
1: Ethnic violence, including Myanmar in 2018, when the military used Facebook to launch a genocide. Uh, the first of
2: 2019.
1: Frances Haugen told us she was recruited by Facebook in 2019. She says she agreed to take the job only if she could work against misinformation because she had lost a friend to online conspiracy theories.
2: I never wanted anyone to feel the pain that I had felt. And I had seen how high the stakes were in terms of making sure there was high quality information
0: on Facebook.
1: At headquarters, she was assigned to Civic Integrity, which worked on risks.
0: I am fascinated to know what happened with her friend. I, I lost a little bit of respect for this woman suddenly. It's weird to say, because I, I totally respect the coming out and talking about what's going on behind Facebook now. But at the same time, you only reported it because you didn't like what people are reading or thinking. Be it the Russia Gate hoax or QAnon. If people want to communicate with each other and fall down a rabbit hole of bullshit, they should be allowed to do so. How about this? Do away with the fact-checking process. And allow people to do their own independent research. And if they're too retarded to do their own research and make sure what they're looking at on their friends' post is legit, they they're idiots. And let Darwin take its toll. Is it cold? Yeah, maybe. But it suddenly seems like this woman now has an issue with it, and she's talking about her pain. Listen, I got fan members who try to tell me how true. Trump's Russia server is. And that's been debunked multiple fucking times. And then I have people who I know personally who are all into that QAnon nonsense. And I've listened to both these absolute groups of buffoons talk to one another and talk to me, and it's just. It's a shit heap. Right? And if they fall down this rabbit hole, oh well. There's still people who work, they still go to jobs, raise their kid, do all the normal shit you do, they just happen to believe something that you don't like. It's no different than people who immediately after the moon landing happened said it was fake and it was on a soundstage and Stanley Cooper directed it. <laughs> that it didn't. But it's no different than the people who walked around believing that nonsense about it. No matter how much you prove to them that it's not real, they still will argue with you that it is. Or that you argue with them that the conspiracy theory is not legit, but they'll argue that it is a legit conspiracy theory. just want to clarify that. And again, I want to know why all these hacks and whistleblowers are coming out now post-election. Right? Were were things so good behind the scenes during the election season to oust the president and run all that disinformation about what was going on in places like Kenosha and with Kyle Rittenhouse and all that horse shit? Were things just so cozy they didn't want to do it then? Or are things getting so bad right now behind the scenes that people are trying to jump off the ship and make a name for themselves, Abandoning Ship? Because you have to wonder. We've seen Twitter whistleblowers coming out left and right. News agencies are having whistleblowers. There's government leakers. People in the federal government leaking sensitive materials out now. This with Facebook and Instagram. I am just curious, why now are we seeing this flood of confirmed leaked material that makes these establishment industries look horrible? What is going on behind the scenes? Because right now, we're sitting outside of of the systems building, and we can only hear smoke detectors, right? We don't see smoke, we don't feel heat, we don't see a fire, but we hear smoke detectors going off. And we're thinking, oh, okay, I mean, that's not too bad, right? Like, like, someone may just pull the fire alarm. But now people are jumping out of the building, screaming, there's a massive fire inside, and we need to get out of here now. As they hurl themselves out of windows to the ground. I want to know what's really going on behind the scenes. Is Facebook possibly going in the way of the big 1930s monopolies? Where soon it will crash and burn into the fucking
1: ground. I have no idea. To elections, including misinformation. But after this past election, there was a turning point.
2: They told us we're dissolving civic integrity. Like they basically said, oh, good. We we made it through the election. There wasn't riots. We can get rid of civic integrity now. Fast forward a couple of months, we got the insurrection. And when they got rid of civic integrity, it was the moment where I was like, I don't trust that they're willing to actually invest what needs to be invested to keep Facebook from being dangerous.
1: Facebook says the work of civic integrity was distributed to other units. In Haugen told us the root of Facebook's problem is in a change that it made in 2018 to its algorithms, the programming that decides what you see on your Facebook news feed. So,
2: you know, you have your phone, you might see only 100 pieces of content if you sit and scroll up for five minutes. But Facebook has thousands of options it could show you.
1: The algorithm picks from those options based on the kind of content you've engaged with the most in the past.
2: And one of the consequences of how Facebook is picking out that content today is it is optimizing for content that gets engagement or reaction. But its own research is showing the content that is hateful, that is divisive, that is polarizing, it's easier to inspire people to anger than it is to other emotions.
1: Misinformation, angry content yeah. is enticing to people Very and keep, keeps them on the platform. Yes.
2: Facebook has...
0: Facebook rage baits people.
2: ...realize that if they change the algorithm to be safer, people will spend less time on the site, they'll click on less ads, they'll make less money.
1: Haugen says Facebook understood the danger to the 2020 election, so it turned on safety systems to reduce misinformation. But many of those changes, she says, were temporary.
2: And as soon as the election was over, they turned them back off, or they changed the settings back to what they were before to prioritize growth over safety. And that really feels like a betrayal of democracy to me.
0: I want to interject here. Good luck until I delete my Facebook. I would share, for example, just for example, months before the 2020 election, we had that famous video of 12 doctors standing on the steps of Congress talking about what they've seen in their patients with COVID. All sites purged that fucking video, and before it was purged, that video was labeled, as disinformation with all sorts of fact checkers underneath it, even though everything those doctors have said in hindsight have turned out to be absolutely true. They were filtering misinformation. Whose misinformation, whose version of misinformation were you censoring? Were you blocking truth to back your narrative? Or were you actually going out of your way to remove misinformation? As someone who saw their fair share of people posting well-structured arguments to official news blogs and articles, sharing links from all these different news outlets I read from today on this podcast, every one of them would get hit with fact checks. CNN articles, too. .govs and scientific papers would get fact-checked by people who aren't even scientists. I want to know who decides whether or not it's mis- or disinformation. And either way, Facebook should not be in the business of censoring content.
1: Facebook says some of the safety systems remained, but after the election, Facebook was used by some. ...to organize the January 6th insurrection. Prosecutors cite Facebook posts as evidence.
0: Uh, Allow me... ...before we continue down this bold-faced lie. I've already read this article in past episodes, but we'll briefly revisit it going forward. Because I don't want my audience peddled a bunch of bullshit about a fake... Federally organized insurrection. January 6th. Big spooky day, right? No. The only people who died on January 6th were Trump supporters and the jackasses who went into the building. You had three old geezers die of heart attacks and strokes. Then you had a lady get fucking vibe checked in the hallway lead into the main citadel. The FBI confirms there was no insurrection on January 6th. Article by Khan Carell. August 20th, 2021. Now, you can take your pick of any headline you want. Even CNN had to admit it. There was no insurrection. Months of FBI and CIA digging in on people's personal lives, Facebooks, and interrogating people held in solitary confinement for months and months and months on end, which mind you, is considered a torture and exceeding that of human cruelty. People would have a half hour of yard day. They would be exclusively by themselves, sealed off, only given food and no socializing. Even murderers do not spend that long in solitary confinement. But people who walked into a building unarmed are subject to eight, seven, and nine months of solitary confinement before even seeing a judge or an attorney, let alone a public defendant. People who have been locked up and have seen trial go on stand, abused, face swollen, bruises all over their body, cuts on their wrists from handcuffs, These people are being beat and tortured to take plea bargains. And no one, I repeat, no one has been charged with insurrection. Not one person. Everyone's being slapped with misdemeanors. Protesting, obstructing Congress. And quite frankly, protesting on federal ground should not even be a violation. People stormed the Supreme Court a handful of years ago and were sitting there breaking down the doors during a Supreme Court hearing, threatening to kill Supreme Court judges. None of those people were investigated and or arrested. But here, before we get into the 60 minutes video and finish it up, I just want to give you a brief, a brief little reading of this. Again, the headline is, FBI confirmed there was no insurrection on January 6th, article by Khan Carell, published August 20th, 2021. The Cambridge Dictionary defines insurrection as an organized attempt by a group of people to defeat their government and take control of their country, usually by means of violence, but that definition in no way Was there an insurrection at the United States Capitol on January 6th, according to FBI? Oh, perfect. They even say Reuters is the one that broke the story. So we'll just go straight to Reuters via their link. Exclusive FBI finds scant evidence of U.S. Capitol was coordinated. Apparently will not let me read the whole article, because I have reached my article limit for the month when it comes to Reuters. That sucks. Let me pull up the old one. Actually, since I had such a wide field of news outlets to pick from, I'll go with the one that I used to read every upload on this show. The Hill. The FBI comes up empty-handed in search for January 6th plot. It may be true, as Confucius said, that, quote, the beginning of wisdom is to call things by their proper name, end quote. But it can also be the end of politics. For politicians, labeling controversies is often more important than addressing the controversies themselves. Even well defined terms used in legislation must change to fit a political need. Such as infrastructure. When its real meaning proved too restrictive, Senator Kristen Gilbrand, a Democrat from New York, simply tweeted, paid leave is infrastructure. Childcare is infrastructure and caregiving is infrastructure done. The same is true with labeling political violence. When protests by Black Lives Matters and other groups turned violent last summer, the media employees were expressly told not to refer to them as riots, but rather protesters. Riots causing massive property damage were described by CNN as fire, fiery but mostly peaceful protests. That was a fire, but mostly peaceful protest on January 6th then. Conversely, the January 6th attack on the Capitol could not be just a riot, let alone a fiery protest, but only an insurrection. Many in the media continue to refer to the insurrectionists rather than the rioters. National Public Radio, or NPR, even ran, it ran a running account of the Capitol insurrection. The term was further driven home by House Democrats by impeaching former President Donald Trump for incitement to insurrect. Which is funny because by the time they actually held the impeachment, he was already out of office. And anyone could have told you, including Epstein's favorite Jewish attorney, a Mr. Alan Adershowitz, would tell you that it would have been thrown out on constitutional grounds anyway because you can't impeach a former president. Now, they did eventually try to say that they wanted to impeach him so they could remove all of his benefits like Secret Service and the pension, but even that would have been shot down inevitably. Oops. Anyway, back to the article. Despite undermining any chance for an actual conversation, members of Congress, such as Rep. Eric Swalwell, ugh, a Democrat from California who had bang-bang with fang-fang, are still in federal court claiming a conspiracy of armed and organized insurrectionists. The characterization of the attack as an insurrection served a myriad of political and personal purposes. First, it painted anyone associated with challenging the 2020 election result as supporting sedition and the country's overthrow. Second, if this was a protest allowed to turn into a riot, there would be more questions about the failure of properly protecting this nation's capital. It is easier to excuse a response to an insurrection than a violent protest. That point was expressly made by U.S. Capitol Police Chief Stephen Sund, who insisted, quote, this is not a demonstration. This was not a a failure to plan for a demonstration. This was a planned coordinated attack on the U.S. Capitol, despite the adoption of the term many in the media, by many in the media, there has been a growing disconnect with the actual cases in court. Indeed, a new report from Reuters disclosed that the FBI has apparently struggled to support the account of a coordinated insurrection on January 6th. Reuters' FBI sources said that despite months of intensive investigation, they could find scant evidence of any organized plot and instead found that virtually all of the cases are one-offs one agent explained 90 to 95 percent of these are one-off cases then you have a five percent maybe of these militia groups that were more closely organized but there was no grand scheme with Roger Stone or Alex Jones and all these other people to storm the Capitol building and take hostages. We found no evidence of planned, fully fleshed out organized groups or militias that were going to storm the Capitol. Let that sink in. In other words, they found a protest that became a runaway riot as insufficient security preparations quickly collapsed while there clearly were those set upon trashing the Capitol, most people shown milling about the halls. Many took selfies and actively described the scene on live social media. More than five hundred and seventy people have been arrested. But only four face conspiracy charges. Those charges are often based on prior discussions about trying to enter the Congress or bring material to use in the riots. Some clearly came prepared for riots with ropes, chemical irritants, and other materials. Those cases, however, are an extremely small group among the hundreds charged and an even smaller percentage among the tens of thousands of protesters on that day. After five months of a dragnet arrest nationwide, a few reports have noted that no evidence Was actually that no one was actually charged with insurrection or sedition. The vast majority of people face charges such as simple trespass. For example, the latest guilty plea from San Francisco real estate broker Jennifer Leigh Ryan, who posted on posted an an account on social media of how quote we're going to go down and storm the Capitol. She pled guilty this week to, uh parading and demonstrating or picketing in a capitol building. She faces a maximum sentence of six months in prison and a $5,000 fine. Something you might not mention here is most of these people who have been locked up for months and months and months on end are actually being given time served. So if you've got an eight-month sentence and you've been locked up in solitary confinement for seven months, you either get to walk with just the fine or you serve a month in a minimum security prison. Yet, the characterization of the insurrection has continued as a viral article of faith for those reporting on it or writing about January 6th. Moreover, the treatment of many has remained severe, if not a... I'm not familiar with that word. Oh, if not draconian by design, justice official Michael Sherwin proudly declared in television interview that, quote, our office wanted to ensure that there was shock and awe. It worked because we saw through media posts that people were afraid to come back to D.C. because they were like, quote, if we go there, we're going to get charged. We wanted to take out those individuals that essentially were tumbling their noses at the public for what they did. The shock and awe included holding people without bail and imposing restrictive housing for no obvious reason. That include, that includes some of the most notable figures from that day, such as Jacob Chansley, a.k.a. Jake Angeli, better known as the Chewbacca Man or the QAnon Shaman, for the distinctive horned helmet he wore. For uh, the distinctive horned headdress he wore during the riot, Angeli, 33, is not accused of attacking anyone while parading around the Senate floor in this bearskin. He always insisted he was not trying to overthrow the nation with this decorative outfit and spear topped flagpole. While the government did not find that he engaged in sedition, It did learn that he has had an array of mental illnesses, including transient schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, and depression and anxiety. Yeah, who doesn't have that one? Yet, he has been held since the riot and is charged with six crimes, including violent entry, trespass, parading, which collectively could yield 28 years in prison. This is a far distinction between those who tried to stop the certification of a presidential election and those who burned police stations or businesses during a protest last summer. Yet there remains a striking contrast with how other rioters are characterized and prosecuted. Most of the arrests for violent protests after the death of George Floyd saw their charges dropped by state prosecutors for months. Rioters sought to burn federal buildings or occupy state capitals and in some cases seized police stations and sections of the city, even a city hall. They were not declared insurrectionists, yet the definitions of their crimes met the definition of insurrection. They were rioters before being set free after a brief arrest. Many of us remain disgusted and angered by the January 6th riot, but it was a riot. It was also a Desecration. These people deserve to be punished, particularly those who went with the intent to try and enter the Congress. The question is whether you can have an insurrection without anyone actually insurrecting. The Zen-like question may find its way into the hearings of some preceding cases. Calling these people rioters does not minimize what they did or undermine the legitimacy of their punishment. However, there is wisdom and even a chance for resolution when we call, quote, call things by their proper name. So before this interview continues with the whole insurrection shtick, I want you to know it's a bunch of bullshit. There was no insurrection. There was no planned attack on the building. The insurrection talk is bullshit in a double standard to begin with.
1: Photos of armed partisans and text, including by bullet or ballot, restoration of the Republic is coming. Extremists use many platforms, but Facebook is a recurring theme. Fuck After the attack, Facebook employees raged on an internal message board copied by Haugen. Haven't we had enough time to figure out how to manage discourse without enabling violence? We looked for positive comments and found this. I don't think our leadership team ignores data, ignores dissent, ignores truth. But that drew this reply. Welcome to Facebook. I see you just joined in November, 2020. We have been watching wishy-washy actions of company leadership for years now. Colleagues cannot conscience working for a company that does not do more to mitigate the negative effects of its platform. Facebook
0: That sounds so insurrectionist, doesn't it? No, it sounds like a well-worded criticism of the social
1: media platform, amplifies the worst of human nature.
2: It's one of these unfortunate consequences, right? No one at Facebook is malevolent, but the incentives are misaligned. Right? Like Facebook makes more money When you consume more content, people enjoy engaging with things that elicit an emotional reaction. And the more anger that they get exposed to, the more they interact and more they consume.
1: That dynamic led to a complaint to Facebook by major political parties across Europe. This 2019 internal report obtained by Haugen says that the parties feel strongly that the change to the algorithm has forced them to skew negative in their communications on facebook leading them into more extreme policy positions the european political parties were essentially yeah. saying to facebook the way you've written your algorithm is changing the way we lead our countries."
2: yes you are forcing us to take positions that we don't like that we know are bad for society we know if we don't take those positions we won't win in the marketplace
1: of social media Evidence of harm, she says, extends to Facebook's Instagram app. One of the Facebook internal studies that you found talks about how Instagram harms teenage girls. Oh, yeah. One study says 13.5% of teen girls say Instagram makes thoughts of suicide worse. 17% of teen girls say Instagram makes eating disorders worse. And what's
2: super tragic is Facebook's own research says, as these young women begin to consume this eating disorder content, they get more and more depressed and it actually makes them use the app more. And so they end up in this feedback cycle where they hate their bodies more and more Facebook's own research says it is not just that Instagram is dangerous for teenagers, that it harms teenagers. Is that it is distinctly worse than other forms of social media
1: facebook said just last week it would postpone plans to create an instagram for younger children last month. oh jesus
0: well you just heard it here folks in case you missed it facebook knows the damages it causes to society and goes out of its way to make those damages worse because it creates a cycle in which people get depressed and log back on social media. Get depressed looking at the social media, log off, and come back in to get more depressed. And it's specifically attacking young women. Perhaps low self-esteem and self-loathing is why we've seen OnlyFan become such a juggernaut of low-value women selling their bodies on a display piece while also... Declaring they're strong independent women who demand your respect. They sell pictures of their assholes for $5 a pop. And they were going to make an app targeting more children. Can you spell how quickly? Can you assume that we would need Chris Henson on that website at all fucking times? Month.
1: Haugen's lawyers filed at least eight complaints with the Securities and Exchange Commission, which enforces the law in financial markets. The complaints compare the internal research with the company's public face, often that of CEO Mark Zuckerberg, here testifying remotely to Congress last March. We removed content that could lead to imminent real-world harm. We built an unprecedented third-party fact-checking program. The system isn't perfect. But it's the best approach that we've found to address misinformation in line with our country's values. One of Francis Haugen's lawyers is John Tai. He's the founder of a Washington legal group called Whistleblower Aid. What is the legal theory behind going to the SEC? What laws are you alleging have been broken? As a publicly traded company, Facebook is required to not lie to its investors or even withhold material information. So the SEC regularly brings enforcement actions alleging that companies like Facebook and others are making material misstatements and omissions that affect investors adversely. One of the things that Facebook might allege is that she stole company documents. The Dodd-Frank Act passed over 10 years ago at this point, created uh, an office of the whistleblower inside the SEC one of the provisions of that law says that no company can prohibit its employees from, from communicating with the sec and sharing internal corporate documents with the sec.
2: I have a lot of empathy for Mark and Mark has never set out to make a hateful platform, but he has allowed choices to be made where the side effects of those choices are that hateful polarizing content gets more distribution, more reach.
1: Facebook declined an interview, but in a written statement to 60 Minutes, it said, every day our teams have to balance protecting the right of billions of people to express themselves openly with the need to keep our platform a safe and positive place. We continue to make significant improvements to tackle the spread of misinformation and harmful content. To suggest we encourage bad content and do nothing is just not true. If any research had identified an exact solution to these complex challenges, the tech industry, governments, and society would have solved them a long time ago. Facebook is a $1 trillion company, just 17 years old. It has 2.8 billion users, which is 60% of all internet connected people on earth. Frances Haugen plans to testify before Congress this week. She believes the federal government should impose regulations.
2: Facebook has demonstrated it cannot act independently. Facebook over and over again has shown it chooses profit over safety. It is subsidizing, it is paying for its profits with our safety. I'm hoping that this will have had a big enough impact on the world that they get the fortitude and the motivation to actually go put those regulations into place. That's
0: my home. So just food for thought. Well, you got really got a packed episode today, didn't you? Read a little bit about the insurrection. And we learned a lot about Facebook. Perhaps Facebook going down may have been a blessing and it should just stay down. Personally, my humble wish is that this happens to Mark Zuckerberg every day for the next two weeks until that motherfucker's in a red line. Then again, I also still stand by the claim that people who fall prey to these kinds of algorithms are weak and lack the ability to pull themselves off of these social media networks. Now, if some of you take offense to that, I suggest you look at your behavior online. That being said... I want to wish you all a great rest of your afternoon and evening and thank you for listening to the podcast. I'll see you here tomorrow at eight o'clock for the next Spookfest Upload.